0: Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. You can find us on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tara, and I am joined by Uncle Dan Mering. Dan, your family has a new addition. Congratulations to you on your new nephew.
1: Yes, this is my, my first little boy that I get to see, so I'm, I'm still pretty stoked. Uh, I had somebody ask me the day if you know, what, what Blazers jersey I was going to get him. And I, I was honestly stumped. I'm like, do I go old school or do I go new school for him? I'm like, ah, so um, I, I have a decision to be made.
0: Yeah. Well, so what do you think from your first glimpse? Does he look like a, like a guard, like a forward, like a big man? What oh, he,
1: he, he's got some swing man to him. He—he he, he Oh, he, versatile. Yeah. The, uh, the hair game is already really strong. so
0: uh, it's not going to get in the way when he takes shots is it like no 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 he's
1: definitely not an Alfred Payton Uh, but with the hair game the the lettuce is is definitely strong right now so we're we're hoping
0: well congratulations to the family that's very exciting
1: so speaking of exciting you got to come or you're just coming home from uh, as we're recording Sunday night from a rather close Blazers win at home in the statement jerseys against the San Antonio Spurs
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. Just getting home from this burgers game now. So Mr. Team mom and I have a rating system for blazer games. Um, it might not be elegant, but it's how we rate games. And those are based on whether or not, of course, the trailblazers win, whether or not we have to go to work the next day. And then because we ride our bikes to the games, whether or not it's raining on the way home. So like Friday, that, that was, scale like, must the get really crappy game. in the winter. <laughs> well, you'd think, but I mean, it's a good scale. You know, it's, it's, we're, it's, we're reliable about, uh, always grading things. Uh, you know, it's pretty clear, pretty cut and dry. So like Friday was like a great game. It was a perfect game because a, it was on Friday. So we didn't have work the next day. It was a win against Atlanta and it wasn't raining. So that was awesome. But going into tonight's game was like a whole other, we were like really nervous about how it was going to turn out because a it's Sunday. So we had work in the morning. We were playing, the Blazers were playing against a team that was better than them, and it's been raining all day. So it was so great that the Blazers got the win, and it wasn't raining on our way home. So it was a two out of three, which is pretty much a great way because it could have been an absolute zero game. So I'm you feeling got that far about you, that.
1: And you haven't even mentioned the fact that not only was all of that going on, you had no Damian Lillard.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, well, so let's talk a little bit about what the Blazers have looked like uh, over, the, over the last week since we last talked. You know, I don't want to, you know, get too far ahead of myself here, but I feel like the Blazers have made some positive strides over the last week. What can you tell me about what oh. you've seen over the last several games <laughs> that you think the Blazers can build on.
1: Oh, so we're going to go ahead and build up the positive things so we can go ahead and discard those yes, next week's we are, podcast. Dan. We're going to, we throw those out yes, in next we week's are. podcast when they go oh, and three you know on, the, on the road trip or three and one or Dan. one and three on the road trip.
0: Dan. Have you not Dan. learned? Have you not Dan. learned? There's been some dark days, but we have to <sighs> call it out when things are going well.
1: Right. <sighs> I, I feel like it's like, a, it's like an opposite world. Like, the the things that shall not be named in the Blazers universe are like nice things. Because as soon as you speak the nice things into existence, they're gone. It's just, it's so painful. And yes, I I just made a Harry Potter reference because I, i am actually, I sat down over the last few days because I've been babysitting, um, my niece. And I sat down since we made fun of, of, of awful movies last week. Um, I sat down to watch all of Harry Potter so I can no longer criticize it one way or the other, and I think I'm like what, I'm like five movies in over the past eight days. So, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm getting. I'm How getting do you feel about them. I'm, you know what? They're not bad. They they get they get Was better the, as you go.
0: So there's stuff to build on in yeah. the Harry Potter universe. Yep. Just the, as there's stuff to build on exactly. in the Wizarding. Exactly,
1: um, things to build on. Um, Sheba's Napier. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see. Harkless's play when Damien Lillard is out. So, I mean, it's a limited window, but it's a good one. Um, Pat Connaughton being the best cutter and dunker on the team right now. Um, Let's see. What else do we have? Uh, Ed Days is continuing to play well. Um, Those those are all things I think you can count on now. So when, when Dame goes down, you can count on Maurice Harkless to have some useful minutes um Shabazz Napier can step up into that role um I'd like to say CJ you could count a little bit more I think you can count on more of CJ's raw production right now and not as much um his consistency which I think is a good thing like there were times this season where CJ didn't have the consistency or the raw production and when Dame's out you you've got to find a way to get those numbers however you can get them does that make sense
0: yeah, because so it sounds to me like you're you're saying that at this point in the year, even with Dame out, CJ has been able to more reliably score, and he's being asked to do less of like all the other things that he was also supposed to be previously doing to exactly. carry the team when Dame would be out.
1: Like tonight, he had a, he had I think I said a season high in assists or tied a season high. I've I listened to the post game. I wasn't a hundred percent certain on that. Oh, let's see assists tonight seven. I think he had eight game assists, so second highest. Uh, Shabazz followed up with seven tonight, too. So they were moving the ball well between the two guard positions. Um, but, I mean, like I said, when we were talking about raw production, yay, CJ got 25 points. Boo, it took 24 shots to get there. Like, that's, like, it's a bummer that it took that many shots to get there, but it's also nice to see that he's getting 25 points because there were times this season, even with Dame, where he just kind of fell out. And he'd have, like, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 points, and those were games that... Like Even if Dame gives you 25, 28, you weren't getting that because you, you weren't getting the secondary production, whereas the last few games, um, Harkless, Nurkic, Napier, Connaughton, Aminu, Turner have all taken turns delivering good games. Um, uh-huh. uh, we had one game this uh, – was it the Hawks game? I believe it was the Hawks game. Um, seven players were in double figures. I think that's the only time this season Portland's done that. Like That's, that's yeah. up and Why? down the lineup getting it done.
0: I feel obligated to put on my Dan flat bill hat and say, oh, well, it was the Atlanta Hawks.
1: Yeah. And for the reference, so... for, for, for the guy who hates my my hat, it's not a flat-bill. It's just not rolled all the way over because I can't have it covering my eyes when I'm on TV. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's um, a, that's a so... real thing. They're, they allow me to wear a hat. Like, that alone says enough about, you know, what's going on there. So just quit criticizing my hat, people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, my, my point, though, is, you know, a couple of the uh, opponents that the Trailblazers have played in the last week, one of them was Chicago, who has a terrible record but has admittedly been playing a lot better and included the return, you know, Nikola Meritich is now back. And so he's made a huge difference to that team. But the Blazers were able to put them away. And they were able to take revenge on the Atlanta Hawks and play against them the way that people were really expecting that they should have played the first time. But what can we I mean, what can we really take? Because what I saw, and you know if we want to talk you know, if you won't talk about positive things, I will talk about positive things. I saw an, an an effort that I don't feel like we've been able to count on more recently, you know. um, It's also with the game against Cleveland, even though they ended up blowing it. That's probably why uh, I'm
1: petty about this, is because those are things you should just be able to count on.
0: Right. But I feel like we're getting back to it. Because, I mean, earlier in the season, I thought we could count on some stuff, but I don't know something must
1: happen in the middle. I'm I'm sensing Um, a trend here. What? things we thought we could count on that are down. no longer there that are back again that are no longer there that are back again <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying
0: inconsistency
1: uh consistently inconsistent
0: yeah well you know that's not exactly like a hot take
1: but but we're, what we're, we're, I... we're not quite peaking now we're like we're we're riding the wave to the top
0: right and I brought this up last week and I continue to see it and I'm wondering if you could speak and f- tell me whether or not it's still just me okay, Oh it's always it just re- you. like <laughs> <laughs> Edward Turner continues with his role with his strong play. Is he he's playing learning more confident. how to fit in? Is it, he is he fitting in better to our, the current system or
1: He's being more aggressive? You
0: know, Cause he's still playing just cause to. he's playing with starters.
1: It's 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 he's playing with starters and the, the floor is opening up for him and he's playing more aggressive. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Um, there were games where he would attempt like three or four shots and that was it. Like tonight mm-hmm. he took nine shots. He was four or nine. Um, he had eight points, a rebound and assist, uh, and a block, um, in 24 minutes. He was him. I believe it was him and Nurkic and CJ were the only guys that registered or were close to registering. Um, Basically the starters registered a negative plus minus tonight because they kinda had a rough patch there um before um that second unit for group. That
0: Davis and Zach Collins came in.
1: Uh not even those guys really. Uh it was um uh, Harkless and Ame- or Harkless and Conaton for me that really swung everything tonight. Um how efficient Parkland had a great
0: game tonight against yeah. San Antonio.
1: The, the way that those two, and I, I've, I've harped on this on Twitter over the last couple of weeks about Conanton being the best cutter on this team. Like how many times tonight? And when, when first shift, did he cut down the middle of the defense and draw everyone in and still managed to finish? Like it was, and
0: he's also apparently the only guy who duck dunks. Yeah. Anymore.
1: Like, that, that, <laughs> and those are easy points. And we talked about this earlier in the season, like, uh, with Maurice Harkless, the, the Blazers are a terrible fast break team transition team because they feature two guards and CJ and Dame who aren't big, strong guys who like to just drive through everybody and dunk. What do Pat content and Maurice Harkless give the opportunity to do? Mm. Drive the middle and dunk on people like Harkless tonight. He, people wanted to say Harkless needs the ball more. Harkless needs the ball more. Harkless needs, more. Harkless needs to run the damn floor. Cause they, uh-huh. you, you can see it. And tonight. Then get
0: the ball more. Exactly. What
1: like if, if you generate a turnover and and you run the floor as Harkless, There's nobody else in this team that's going to run the floor like you. Like, if you if you take that opportunity, you're going to get the ball. Like, there's nobody that's going to cut into those possessions. I think the only other person besides Pat is Napier, and Napier is going to do it himself. Like, he's going to generate a steal and go coast to coast because he's so fast. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen some of that from from all those guys over the last few games, and that's been really fun. Like you want you want you want fun things for me is is those guys doing those things. Because those are defined skill sets that they bring to the table that the Blazers for whatever reason weren't taking advantage of, whether it was because personnel weren't doing them or they weren't getting the opportunity. A la Shabazz and Connaughton.
0: So the Blazers are slowly adding more fast break points to their game. I still th- I think they're still pretty far down there, but they are adding more fast breaks as the season goes on. Another thing that they have been very low in all season is assists. And they have also been climbing up in terms of, you know, assists per game. They you know, they were dead last for quite a while. If you isolate the last ten games they are number twenty-four, and then over the last five games, they're number seventeen in the league in assists.
1: Yeah, that thirty. To ass- when do that, you
0: attribute that?
1: The thirty assist game is is huge. Um, I think part of the outlier, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's gonna bump them up. I mean, it looks good. Uh, I think it's a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. honestly, but
0: I why mean, uh, do you think it's happening more?
1: Uh, I think it's because it's less reliance on Dame. Uh, guys are like Harkless oh, are getting out. Um, and it's a double-edged sword. Uh, I think guys are working harder to get opportunities because they know they have to they i I think it's partly not dame's fault i think it's dame's fault in you know air quotes that he's so good that he can get a shot at any point in time that some Uh guys below him in the pecking order fall back on that not just dame the guys below him they know that late shot clock situation they don't need to make that cut because dame's gonna get his shot and that's what's gonna happen as opposed to, and I think a lot of the a lot of this too has been Nurkic, has been supremely better about one scoring and and being uh, more of a focal point, and Two passing um, over the last few games, Nurkic has had some of the the best cuts or the best pass to passes two cutters on the season. I mean, he had mm-hmm. a couple bounce passes to um, Aminu against the Hawks. Um, he found Connaughton tonight um, cutting through the middle. Um, he found Harkless tonight cutting through the middle um and that's another thing the, yeah the, it seems the, like the he regularly has
0: a couple of right and he's regularly having a couple of uh like little pocket passes yeah every ab- game. absolutely
1: beautiful pristine on point on, on timed perfect uh passes that again those are free points for a team like mm-hmm. portland who's the worst field goal percentage team in the paint guess what those those wide open layups and dunks <laughs> you know those are easy points those are free points that, that allows your offense to get i mean terry stock tonight in the post game you know he lit up like a christmas tree when they when he said hey we scored 111 points he's like yeah it's nice that we're fifth in defensive rating like that i like was the, that was the afterthought like he genuinely likes and appreciates you know a quote-unquote beautiful game when the ball's humming around, when guys are scoring, when guys are doing things that they need to do in order to be successful. And I think we've seen less of that this season than a lot of people expected.
0: Right. You know, and it goes back to, and it's something that we should look at the very end of the season. Did the increase in defense really affect the offense or is
1: it something else? I think it's, if, it's the, go, the def- that, that's going to be there. Like that affects. The defense
0: has continued to, to be good defense.
1: Don't you think? Yeah, I think it's fallen I mean, off it's, a little bit, but I think that was expected. Yeah, um, I mean,
0: they—they they, they need a to find the balance. Where, yeah, um,
1: I think they're getting to where they're not—they they're not the Utah Jazz. They're not going to grind you down, slow it down, uh, make an ugly game, which they've 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 been pretty successful at, or they were pretty successful at early on in the season. They they had a couple games mm-hmm. there where it was like their winning games are really ugly. I don't know if I enjoy yeah. this yet because yay wins, but ugh, the basketball itself, when you're, when you're so used to the, the, the Stotts fence and how, uh, how egalitarian the offense is where everybody has an equal opportunity to just see it just mm-hmm. grind to a halt, it's, it was kind of mm-hmm. jarring. And I think that by the end of the season, the defense will still be right around a top 10 unit. I think that's where they'll ultimately end up as far as balance goes.
0: Okay, okay, can we just pause for a minute there? Can you say that again to make sure that we're recording?
1: Yeah, no. I, I, so you I, think I said this a few weeks ago. Top
0: 10 defense?
1: I, I said this a few weeks ago. I think they'll end up somewhere between 12 and 10, or 13 and 10, I think is what I said. Like, I, they'll, they'll be in the upper the upper half.
0: Which I think we need to sit with that and appreciate that for a minute, because with the last few years, that is not... I don't know. I mean, I you can just,
1: feel like... you can attribute the biggest chunk of it to having Nurkic for the for a full season, or cl- as close to a full season as possible, and CJ and Dame picking up the defensive intensity, like not being absolute <laughs> um,
0: turnstiles well, styles I... on the perimeter,
1: like just just getting fifty percent more production from those guys. Right, at, at CJ those. and
0: Dame set the they set the tone. Yeah, but we also have you know, we, but there there are some just genuinely good defenders. I mean, we've Amino all along has been a good defender. I Amino's mean, been
1: fantastic. Pat Connaughton's effective. Napier's and, the peskiest. Napier. Yeah, um, Napier getting more minutes is going to help because you're going to generate turnovers. So yeah, um, I
0: don't know. Sounds awful positive.
1: And, and Ed Davis has been healthy, and so he's been effective. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. I have a question about Nurkic before we get too far off the topic with him. How Why great was his post move it...
1: tonight? How, that's what you're going to ask me, right? It was the best post move I've ever seen from him.
0: You mean all night?
1: That, no. That, 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 was, are you thinking of the specific one? No, the one where he went to the middle and then went to the hop step back the other way and left La, LaMarcus in his dust.
0: He did a LaMarcus to, him, to LaMarcus? No, it,
1: that, was, that was like Hall of Fame level footwork. Like what he showed there when I talk about you know the hashtag feet work, like that right yeah. there. That's why I get so giddy about him because there's very 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 few people in the world that are that big, that move that gracefully, that efficiently, that effectively. And when you see that come together, you're like, oh, it's glorious. And then you see him throw up the weakest like finger roll you've ever seen in your life, and you're like, you son of a, I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. Like the, the, so the, the frustration my- level <laughs> is so wild.
0: Okay, my question was going to be like, really, <laughs> why do you think he doesn't dunk as much as you
1: know most seven players? Like, I have. Why do you no... do you suppose
0: that's a you know a product of the way he learned how to play? Probably part of the, uh,
1: part of it is how he learned how to play. Part of it is, I and think. And how can he learn how to do it? The intensity, like it, there. There's probably seem
0: like he'd be afraid of taking anybody on. I mean, that just doesn't seem like an issue.
1: I, I think that mentally, um, this is this, I have no hard evidence. This is just me hot taking here. I think him and CJ and there's a few other guys in the NBA, I think don't like going right to the rim because they've had ankle and feet and leg injuries. And when you mm, and go, they don't like the crowd. The, yeah. Like coming down in the crowd. Okay. Like I, I think that's, that's my working theory at least. And I, huh. and I, I don't think it's like this, like they're terrified of it. I just think it's there. There's a mindset that I can be damn good at what I do without having to throw my body in there and rack up injuries I mean, You gotta remember CJ missed what, like basically two and a half years to start his career. Yeah. With ankle and foot With injuries. All
0: foot injuries. Yeah.
1: Um, like it was, it was not a, a, a great start for him. And to, to be able to basically stay healthy since then, you know, what, where does he avoid going into a lot into the paint, like under the rim paint, he gets in the paint mm-hmm. and gets to the floaters and, and the, the runners and stuff like that. Look at Nurkic. he's much the same way. Like how often do you see him getting really, really deep and going through bodies and traffic?
0: He took so many mid range shots tonight. It felt like half, of, more than half of his shots were mid range. And I was just like, why don't you go? Was, yeah. Cause he was putting in work
1: in the post. He was absolutely putting in work in the post. And it was like, uh, nerd buddy. Um, if you could go back in there and do what you were doing, I would be very, very thrilled. And like he, mm-hmm. I think he took four. Yeah. He took four mid range jump shots tonight. It was one of four from mid range. And he missed two, four, five shots at the rim, I think is what it ended up being. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he missed five
0: shots at the rim.
1: uh, Let's see. I'm going to I have my my filters set up here. So uh, made shots, missed shots, missed shots sorted by distance. He missed one, two, three, four, five shots within two feet. Hmm. So, well,
0: you know, like you always say, in which I take great solace in, he's still really young and he still has a lot to learn. So, you know, we if saw the, the full thing spectrum on display,
1: to like dunking, how, how good he can be versus how frustrating he can be. And I think that's that's mm-hmm. Nurkic in a nutshell. I, I think worst case scenario, I think we have the center version of Nicholas Batum in use of mm-hmm. Nurkic. Like you see a guy who shows flashes of absolute brilliance. Like I mean, you could say the same thing about Nick. Even now, there there are times when he looks like Scottie Pippen. Like nurkish shows flashes of like Kevin McHale-esque footwork. I'm not that's not hyperbole. Like his footwork is absolutely immaculate at times. And then you see stuff where you're like, dude, what are you doing? Uh, if he ever you still does need to watch get tape to- together,
0: so you can point out to me what it is that's so beautiful about his footwork. Because I think I think you know. Like yeah, he did some stuff, but I I want you to point out exactly what it is that he is doing. I'm, I'm that actually I, makes you
1: react like that. As we're doing this tonight, I'm going to uh, record there or start my record on his um, what he was Just able focusing to do. on his feet. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna put together put together my Nurkic playlist for you. Load it up on okay, Spotify. <laughs> I, I look
0: forward to that. Okay, well, so the. Let's move on to the next topic, unless you want to say anything about things to build on from the last several no, games. No,
1: I think there are certainly some things to build on, and for the first time in a while, it feels like there's more positive things to build on than negative things. I just don't like saying it out loud.
0: <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna remember that and mark down this date. The, the day that Dan said there were positive things. Well, so uh, speaking of positive, you know, last week we talked a lot about uh, why you didn't think that the Blazers' struggles fell on Coach Stotts. Yeah, that was a heck of a rabbit hole. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and Jason Quick recently came out with an article where he talked directly to the players about that very topic. So what did you think about uh, that Article that article and what Jason. I, like I was angry the that players did you learn anything new?
1: Yeah, no, I was angry that Jason Quick didn't like start the question with uh, Dan Moring of Blazers Edge says this. Do you agree? <laughs> oh, um, God, <laughs> get over yourself, dude. <laughs> Good
0: God, how do you walk into a room? I mean, with that ego? No, I, do I, I don't. Through I, the I,
1: I, I typically don't. Um, I usually have somebody announce me first.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah yeah you also have usually somebody <laughs> setting you up with questions uh, huh i wonder yes. who that could be
1: uh, I do anyway it, i do it all on my own but in, but in all seriousness i, I it, it wasn't surprising like we 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 went over basically how the relationship between Damon and stats is basically solidified and it's like that rank and file down um there are these types of things like when you look at these types of situations and you get the, the dreaded uh, vote of confidence. I think this was the opposite of that. This was basically the players saying, anybody who's saying this is on stats, you're absolutely brain dead. Like, mm-hmm. the, well, we need I to be better that, as players. That,
0: that, I thought it was really interesting in the article that he pointed out that it's actually become kind of a rallying point for the players.
1: Yeah, I, I think that was the case in Chicago. Um, like the, I think that they knew that if they dropped that game, that their coach's job could be in serious jeopardy. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're, I was hearing things the from Portland. Yeah. The, the Portland Chicago game when they were on the road after losing to the Hawks, you know, I, I had, I had heard a oh, few you things. Think that
0: Portland. Okay. Do you think that the Portland players were very concerned about their coach yes, after I, that? loss?
1: I, I think that going into that Chicago game that they, they realized that they better get it going. They better get it together. Because if they dropped okay. another game that they should, quote unquote, win handily with or without Dame, like I, I don't care how Chicago's playing at that point in time. They're still the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're a team that's fighting, you know, <laughs> they're fighting. I guess if you can say that, fighting for the for yeah, the, fighting the, literally for the, for the top draft. <laughs> yeah, and actually fighting um, for the for the top draft pick. Like I, I don't care how good they're playing, how bad you're playing. You figure that out, and they did to their credit. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, for for them to come out and say that you know, um, I mean, Dame's exact quote was, um, "I think it's unanimous for a reason." The Lord said, "Like I always say, we play for a great person. Whatever struggles that we have, it's not his fault. I will tell you that it's not his fault. Mm-hmm. Flat out, it's not his fault. Yeah. I mean, that's what yeah. it comes down to. I mean, it, and then again, they're not just talking about him as a coach. They're talking about the relationship that they have with him as a person." That's why I think mm-hmm. that they're more than willing to go above and beyond um, to to lay it all out on the line for them, which also kind of makes you wonder why that it takes this situation to get to that point.
0: Right. Well, you know, if that, if that ends up being what the rallying cry was and if they end up, you know, coming out and fighting for their coach and figuring some things out, then... That's exactly what needed to happen. I'm glad it, I, you know, if it meant that there had to be a lot of talk out in public that trickled out to the players and that made them mad and it made them redouble their efforts, then job well done.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I, I just hate the fact that it takes the, basically the threat of the coach being fired them fired for them to kind of get it together. Like I think that kind of plays into some of the questioning of this team, that that's what, that that's what it takes for your rally. Like, yes, I appreciate that. They did kind of get it together, but that that's what it takes to become the rallying cry. That, that frustrates me a little bit.
0: Well, and also how much of it is just you know, is it, uh, magnified because of the, you know, hyper focus oh, on the, this
1: team and the Atlanta loss. Definitely. Like, I mean, you want to talk about burning a spotlight. I mean that when you lose to that team, Yeah. 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 It certainly
0: felt good to play that, go have that rematch on Friday and to really put
1: them away. And handily put them away like you should have the first time. Yeah, absolutely.
0: That was a perfect game on the Team Mom and Mr. Team Mom rating spell.
1: And see that? Um, But hey, going back to another point, that's a style point game. How you win that game matters.
0: Okay. So that was an extra good win. That wasn't just a good win. You've beat me up on this before. Even a win against a a poor team ended up being a good win. Because if it had been like just, you know, a, a win over another team with a bad record, it could have been just like an okay win. But because something, what was it about it that made it an extra special good win?
1: Because that was the way you should have handled them the first time. And it showed that they Hey, we we've we've got our focus. We 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 were, This is how it should have been. And yes, it sucks that we dropped this the first time because we overlooked it. But this is how it should have been. That you showed the okay. capacity and the capability to go out there and handle business as a professional. That's certainly above the Atlanta Hawks. Like there there's no way objectively or subjectively that you could look at the Atlanta Hawks roster and the Portland Trail roster and go, yeah, that should be a close game. Like that, that's just. That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I gave you my game rating system, and I would like to know what your game rating system. Like, how do you <laughs> judge uh. a good? You don't have to. You don't have to come up with it tonight, but I expect some sort of a presentation within oh, a week. Oh no, I, I'll have on some for you. What your rubric is?
1: I, I, I'm just going to like give you a full on like 38 page case study. you wouldn't even be able to Google it.
0: Right. <laughs> no, I just want the rubric. I just want to know. Like, what are the things that, yes or no, have to be done to be a good win, a bad win, a good loss, a bad loss? I just want to know what the definitions of all those things are. So you can ruminate on that for a while. But I want to ask you a question because we were just talking about Chicago. And it is, you know, we're in the beginning of January. January 15th is right around the corner. And that's a day that a whole bunch more the final players are going to be available. We've got trade deadline approaching. And we've got Nikola Meritich. Uh, looking for a new home, and a lot of Blazers Twitter, I have seen. Well, not maybe not a lot, but I've seen several people on Blazers Twitter talk about why Meritich would be a fit in Portland.
1: Yeah, he's big. What and do you
0: he, think he, about that? He, and what would Portland have to give up? Oh God, do you think? I'm
1: dying. Um, he's Y'all big right over there. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm. Like I said, I'm dying. Um, well, that's
0: <laughs> not good, Dan.
1: He's he's big. He's semi-athletic, and he can shoot. Like, those are things that Portland lacks at the forward position. Um, Dave Deckard and I have talked about Miritich and trading to Portland for what feels like since, like, the 1970s. Um, <laughs> I, I, it just comes up because... Given
0: the assets that they have right now.
1: I mean, it, assets now, this is, like, even before, like, like, guys like Crabb were inked to big deals. Like, this is something <laughs> we talked about. Like, it was, it just seemed like the right kind of fit. Because Portland was lacking shooting at the forward position. This is before they figured out that Aminu could turn into that kind of shooter, before Harkless showed he could hit 35%. Um, so it was like one of those things where, like, in, and this is before Miritich really has consistently shown that he could shoot. It was one of those things where, like, in theory, he could fit in Portland well. And now that the, the in theory has become the reality, I'm afraid the price tag is going to be too high for Portland to, to really make anything happen. Like, what motivates the Chicago in a unique
0: situation because he wants out.
1: I think that helps the leverage for not just Portland, but any team. But at the same time, like, even if Chicago keeps him, like, what are they worried about? Like, the toxicity in the locker room full of players that they're not going to keep past the next year or two? Like, if you look at their roster, the guys they're going to keep are going to be Levine, Dunn, Markanen, maybe Portis. Like beyond that, you're you're filling it with like random. It's the same situation you're looking at with the Lakers right now. Like with the way they keep talking about how they're going to bring in stars and how so many of the young guys mm-hmm. are going to be gone. Like, is Miritich really in the position to like be a to cause a lot of tension in the locker room? I mean, worst case scenario, he gets punched again. You know, I mean, <laughs> I hate to say it, but like clearly, like these things, have, like it's already been bad. Yeah. So, like, but how much like worse you said... can it get?
0: Like if you if you said though that they're trying to position themselves as best they can for a high draft pick, maybe they're the, from that looking point of for view a yes, different lineup. That
1: makes sense. Like if you if you're going back to the point of hey we need to go back to to sucking more, <laughs> we need to move him. Um, but in that case, like what are you moving him for? And was Portland willing to offer a draft pick? Like, do you think they would it do it
0: for a draft pick, or would they do it for? you know would they would they take on money if they took a draft pick?
1: That's the thing is that they have the ability to so that's what you're you're anticipating I think if you're Portland. Um, I think the reality of it is they would want somebody that's young, you know, uh, let's go with with the timeline. Like here. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going to go is Vonley. Uh, the, if the Vonley would be included in the trade that would possibly entice them. Because they get a young guy, because I think Vaughn is going to be able to re- resign resigned, for relatively cheap. Um, I think mm-hmm. he's going to go up a little bit higher than people expect, but he's he's going to cost some money. Um, the Bulls have the capacity to do that, to take a flyer on him, and maybe they get him a bit cheaper than he would any other year because of the way the market is. I mean, that's that's really what mm-hmm. it comes down to. But the, something else needs to go in the pot in order to make the trade happen, because Meritix makes 12, makes $12 million. So here's something else I've
0: I've seen mentioned. Do you think it's possible that like the the Blazers don't offer a draft pick, but they might offer last year's draft pick and that somebody like Collins, who's now people have seen him a little bit. Do you think he might actually be on the table or is that just like not done?
1: I think he's on the table if we're talking about something bigger.
0: Like, mm, as an included piece, but yeah, be, not like the center piece. Because, like.
1: The, like, when you talk about Collins, because he's still so new, um, the, the line hasn't been set on him league wide of what he's going to be or what mm-hmm. he could turn into. Um, I, I know there's a wide spectrum as far as what scouts and, and people in the league believe he can and can't do. Um, but that may play well, I, in Portland's but favor. But as far as like for like, like a touch deal, no.
0: Right. Well, yeah. No, I don't. I don't see that they would be wanting to. That certainly would. I don't think be a straight up. I, mean, I don't think it could be because of the money, or do they because of the Chicago situation. Are they under, you know, I don't want to get into the fine things of it, um, but it, my my curiosity was like, do you think Colin, is everybody on the table basically who's not named Dame or CJ, including, you know, our foundational new player for the next 12 to 15 years?
1: Yeah, I think in the right deal, Colin's could be like, let's say Evan Turner's contract is movable. Okay. If, if somebody's really interested in him in, Now in that Evan Collins. Turner
0: is really hitting his stride as a team.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think Neil Olshe would be a fool to not include Zach Collins if it got them out from underneath Zach Collins or underneath from Evan Turner's contract. Like, that that deal is such an albatross and such a roadblock to what Portland is able or capable of doing in the future. um, Yeah. That, yeah, a, a lottery pick is probably the cost uh, associate. And, and then it doesn't mean Zach Collins. I'm just saying just in general, a lottery pick. And that's yeah. probably where we are with that. So um, I think you have to think about it in that sense. Um, because if you're talking about Portland team right now, Zach Collins, isn't going to give you what you need right now. Like if this, uh-huh. and I, I hate to bring up this comparison, cause it's not fair really. Are you going to say
0: two years away from two years away again? No, no. I'm going to say if you Donovan. Are, you're going to owe me five bucks. I'm
1: going to go with Donovan Mitchell. Like if it this was Donovan Mitchell, you're clearly That's not trading 10 him.
0: Every time you bring up Donovan Mitchell,
1: but we're talking about timelines here and how they impact Portland. Like mm-hmm. it, like Zach Collins could end up being good down the road. It's not going to mm-hmm. happen right now. So the 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 blowback from that trade, like yeah, people are going to be irritated and frustrated about it um, immediately. But they're not going to. You're, you're not going to. I don't think you're going to see the the repercussions of it of it immediately. Is if does that make sense? Like, it'll be two or three years down the road before you go, ee, that trade sucked. Or, hey, that you worked out great the trade for
0: us. Up for number 10.
1: No, no. I mean, if, if they moved Collins, in, like to, to clear oh, Evan if they Turner's moved Like, if they oh, moved oh, Turner's, okay. to clear Evan Turner's contract.
0: If they moved. Uh, uh, Zach Collins, along with Evan Turner, and Collins had ended up breaking out in two or three years and having being a fantastic player. Yeah,
1: I, I think we, hey, look back Blazers, and go eh, that kind of sucked. Go, yeah, but right. I think, but I think that the immediate ramifications would be, okay. eh, it was necessary to do to move on from that deal, and not that I don't think not that I think that's the, necessarily the right play right this second. I could I could see the reality where that you go, eh, you bite that bullet, but. I think you you could justify it in the, the the immediate return if you were able to bring in somebody else. But I mean, again, we're opening a can of worms here. That's just
0: yeah. there's so
1: many ways in and out of it that it's it's kind of wonky.
0: I have I have one more sort of trade scenario question that uh, I saw, I think it was, again, on Twitter. So sorry to everybody who isn't on Twitter all the time and is like, oh, my God, stop talking about Twitter. Twitter." But (laughs) one thing that I saw the other day was another player who has a higher probability of being on the way out of his current situation, and that's DeAndre Jordan on the Clippers, you know, Maybe possibly wanting out. Clippers unsure whether or not they're going to pull it back together. If they should just blow it up. So it seems like DeAndre Jordan is somebody who is.
1: If you're the Clippers, out there. If you're the Clippers, get rid of DeAndre yeah. Jordan. Shop him.
0: Get so, what you can for. So, him. but
1: my. So,
0: but one thing that I saw is somebody said something about him in Portland, and you were just like emphatic,
1: no. Just it was like a, no. It, it was an emphatic not. no, so no like for trading him for why. C.J. McCollum. That's what I was emphatically knowing about.
0: Okay, so it wasn't that necessarily no, that Jordan wouldn't be a no. fit in Portland. Because no, you know I, how, like, dunk stand.
1: Yeah, no, no. Like, if you could get DeAndre Jordan, uh, some theoretical world... For word, somebody
0: besides C.J. McCollum. you yeah, wouldn't give up C.J. for but him. But not
1: only like that, you'd have to have a, a package in place, basically, to trade or Collins. Or both. Like
0: Because you wouldn't need... Because right, okay, you're, you you're need DeAndre Jordan,
1: who does the things you want them to do. Like, then you've got so many bodies in that position. You're just like, what's going on? Like DeAndre Jordan, if you have Damon, CJ and DeAndre Jordan, you've got vertical, or you've got gravity at the paint and on the perimeter. Like there, there are definitely some things that can be done there. Um, like the fit for the team. And this is another one of those trades that we've, we've talked about kind of kicked around for a few years. Um, Sure, he could fit in Portland. I, do I think he's the best fit? Not really. Uh, I think there's there's better fits for him. Is he a better fit than Nurkic? No, because Nurkic does have the capacity to, to throw the ball into and post up, like that. That's that's a viable and DeAndre thing. DeAndre Jordan
0: doesn't post up. No,
1: um, I, and I know there's the new NBA. Blah 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 blah. DeAndre Jordan's offensive threat is roll, catch, dunk, and put back dunk. Uh-huh. Like, yes, those yes, those are those are great things. But there again, when we talk about like siloed abilities, you you don't give DeAndre the ball with 12 seconds on the shot clock and say you know poke him with a stick and say do something. Okay, like you can do that with Nurkic. So there's there's definitely some. And what DeAndre Jordan allows you to do defensively is a, is a wider range that you get from Nurkic. They're they're, they're two vastly different players. Um, I think Nurkic's synergy with Dame and CJ is better than DeAndre Jordan's would be, but DeAndre Jordan does offer some from very nice um, things that that Nurkic just doesn't. So, um, yeah, I, I would. What is be it about it.
0: CJ that you value more than you do about what DeAndre Jordan does?
1: CJ's one of the best shooters in the entire NBA and has been for So
0: just the pure shooting G- and yeah. the scoring.
1: Yeah, he he can create his own shot. He can create a shot for others. Like his skill set is very very unique in the NBA. People are like shooters are a dime a dozen. No, they're not. If they were a dime not a dozen, like yeah, if they're a dime a dozen. CJ or uh, JJ Reddick wouldn't get a 23 million dollar teal from the 76ers. Like the shooters right, are expensive. Mm-hmm. Shooting is expensive. It is a premium premium thing. There's nobody in the so, NBA who's out there who has consistently been a great shooter from multiple levels, who can create their own shot, who's making, you know, very little money.
0: So basically, you don't send CJ out unless you know exactly where those extra twenty points or those twenty points are, are coming exactly. from. Exactly,
1: like you see that, or it becomes like a committee thing. Like I've had people throw out the um, CJ and somebody else for Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier. Like, mm-hmm. okay. Like you've got my attention. Like that's something I've, I've okay. kind of talked myself into over the last couple of weeks. Um,
0: and that's because those are two shooters.
1: Well, you, you got both shooters. Yeah. Aaron Gordon's turned into a, a three point shooter, which is crazy. Um, Evan yeah. Fournier, uh, I would, I would, some people like to say they play him at the three. I, I, I don't like him at the three because of his size, but you, you're getting multifaceted players and you're getting production, um, on both ends from those guys. And I think to me personally, it'd be really fun if you threw out a lineup of, uh, Dame Fournier, Aminu, Gordon, Nurkic—like that's a fun, fun, fun lineup, fun team to watch right there. Like the way you could basically spread the floor and and go at guys. And plus, Aaron Gordon loves to have—I mean, you're talking about a, a, a dunk champion type dunker.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Like if you love dunks, there you go.
0: Is Gordon much of a ball handler, or is he mostly mostly catch and shoot?
1: Uh, he he can create off the bounce. He's he's a he's a legit stretch four. Like, he's, he's a 3-4 okay. hybrid, if you wanted to, you could go ultra-small and play him. At, like, if Stas wanted to go small-ball lineups, like, you could throw out Dame, like, in this theoretical trade, you could throw out Dame, um, Fournier if you wanted, if you wanted the shooting, um, Harkless, Aminu, um, Gordon. Like, and you could be relatively long basically everywhere. Like, the only place you're really, quote-unquote, giving up height is with Damian Lillard. Like, I mean, it, it, you could de- you could change the entire makeup of the team if you did something like that. Whereas with DeAndre Jordan, uh, you're severely limiting and siloing your offensive capacity. Like you're taking one of the most creative players in the league offensively in C.J. McCollum and replacing him with one of the most limited offensive players in the league. Like everything that uh-huh. has to, that, that DeAndre Jordan does offensively has to be set up for him. He doesn't lob to right, himself. and
0: everybody knows exactly what it's going to be. They just might not be able to stop yeah, it, but they know the exactly what's going to be. But yeah. with CJ, you don't know necessarily what he's going to try.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a scouting report that CJ likes to go this way, or likes to go that way, likes to pull up from here. But he has eight but different ways to, that's what he does. Yeah, he has eight different ways to get there, and he has a move to a counter move to a counter counter move. DeAndre's like, hey, just throw it up, I'll go get it. Like I said, it's a great I'm skill so set, but there's there's there's, yeah. there's there's definitely different outcomes in both those opportunities.
0: I'm so glad CJ got that last shot tonight. He was due. It he eventually, it was going to go down. <laughs> yeah, he, he really,
1: really needed one. I've had a few. I've gone back and forth with a few people on Twitter over about it over the last couple months. Um, it's like he's just like he's had some good, clean looks, and you're like man, that's a shot that he hits. Like, You can only say that's a shot that he hits 8 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 times Like, so many times before you're like, maybe that's a shot he only hits 2 out of 10 times. Yeah, so. maybe
0: that's just not
1: <laughs> going to be his. Uh, like, well, it, was, it was glad to see it go in tonight. Yeah, it was, it was huge. So um, for him to be able to get the game winner like that, I'm, I'm, I was stoked for him.
0: So I also want to point out about tonight's game the, the, against San Antonio. The crowd was into it tonight, and it's been a while. For the since first the time in a while, was... like... Yeah, they've been, they've been it, it was electrifying. It was really, really fun. I had a, there were a couple of San Antonio fans behind us, but other, everyone else were Blazer fans. It was just nice to be in that atmosphere. It's just been kind of, to not be in so study Hall. this year. Yeah, it was, it was nice to have everybody, but it was a, you know, it was a pretty, you know, Manu, I knew was going to go off because he always does. Because he always plays beautifully in front of me. Because he knows that I love him. But uh, you know, it was. But it was a pretty evenly played game. And you know, Lamarcus got booed when he was taking free throws. How
1: about Lamarcus like missing late game of... free throws? Oh, that was that was
0: <laughs> Yeah, CJ missed a couple of late game. Not in a row, but CJ also missed some free throws. Uh, but it was, you know, it was a pretty friendly game. But the game in, uh, Sh- uh, sorry, Cleveland, it got a little chippy in there. Nurkic and, or no, was it that was Atlanta was the, where he like walked by him, and it was like did he hit his headbutt. No, yeah, anything. no, those those Torian Prince. On Prince. That yeah, was he did it. He did it with Jay Crowder right.
1: in Cleveland too.
0: Yeah. So thing, things things been a little chippy. And, and so
1: one of, the,
0: <laughs> yeah, that one of the things that you mentioned on Blazers Outsider that I wanted to ex- explore a little bit more is that you said that players shouldn't be friends yes and you so, so why Absolutely. why shouldn't
1: like, like i want players, rivalries. like why do
0: they have to all be just sworn enemies why like, can't they be people who are playing an excellent game excellently be competing against each other but why do they have to like be mad at each other what, and what not good storylines
1: come from everything being good like rooting what, against russell westbrook question no seriously that, in, in sports seriously in sports like, it's you have to have a bad guy. You have to. Like, Russell Westbrook is the villain, like, always being angry and, and hating KD uh-huh. for leaving. That's a constant yeah. storyline. It's like WWE. Like, you have to have a heel. Nurkic is yeah, absolutely but, Portland's heel. But there's also a whole game involved in basketball. Yeah, th- this, mean- this is the sub-game. Like, I, I don't, like if there's anything that I've ever been critical of the Damian Lillard persona is that he's not enough of a jerk. Like, I, want, I but, want my guy to be a little bit of a jerk. Like, I want him to dame time some, in somebody's face. Like, tap the wrist, like, right in their face. Like, you know what time it is? So you're yeah. not... Like, I love that so about you're CJ. Not
0: saying, you're not saying that they sh- the players shouldn't actually be friends.
1: No, I want them to be enemies, too. <laughs> Like but you I, also want them yes, to be enemies like, like off I, the court. You want them to be enemies. Yeah, I like, I like the way like the like Joel Embiid and, and Russ Westbrook were like just going at each other when, uh, the Thunder beat, uh, the 76ers on Christmas,
0: like okay. that back
1: and forth, like tell Russ telling Embiid to go home and then Embiid getting on camera and telling and saying, uh, he told me to go home, but I am home. So what do I do? You know, just, just, Constantly trolling, like I want those. So do you rivers. think that lasted
0: longer than a day? I mean, those two are caricatures. Don't, they'll both don't keep their going. Own like
1: I, I, I love that Nurkic. I actually. Okay, Nurkic and, like and the Nuggets. Nurkic and the Nuggets. Uh huh. Have a great summer vacation. Like that was great. Clearly, oh. he he has some animosity so towards. Annoying. He clearly he has animosity towards the organization. Right. And, and Nuggets fans, I get it. they were they were they were livid about that. I I I absolutely like. Because if it, if you start talking, you have to back it up. Yeah. Otherwise, you just you get eaten alive. And I, I think I that's think part of the fun for me.
0: I think it's a little impractical to think that these guys who grew up together, playing together, playing against each other—that's other the since problem with these AAU circuits. Yeah, like
1: these guys are all friends. Friends. Now. Yeah, no. I mean, they're all friends now because they're all around each other in these elite camps and stuff like that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, maybe it's 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 a little get off my lawny, but I, I do pine for the, yeah. the older times. It's real
0: get off my lawny. Uncle I'm fine, I'm, I'm fine real with that. Get off my I, I,
1: I'm I'm okay dying on that hill. I am absolutely okay dying on that hill because to me it's more entertaining.
0: I think it makes it more interesting that they have all this rich history together. And I think it makes, and then it makes it. What's when they more attention grabbing?
1: I mean, LeBron James and Chris Paul riding on the banana boat together. Oh yay! Hey, we're having fun summertime. Or uh, Russell Westbrook constantly subtweeting and calling KD a snake. Like what? Okay, what's, I
0: do get a lot of pleasure <laughs> out of that last
1: one. Okay, time. right? <laughs> that's that's my point. Like you need to have that in order to really drive everything. Like it. But, I think there it are limits the to these game. things. Oh, I think it makes the game much more enjoyable. Like when, the perfect example, CJ McCollum and Evan Fournier. CJ calling him, what does he say? Oh. He's soft as, the, soft as the crepes that he eats. Uh, yes, yes. And then blowing and then him kiss, kisses. Kissing you point, yes. Yeah, that was absolutely but, glorious because now, wh- now what do you But that's each
0: other in the game. Are you saying that they like actually don't like each other and they shouldn't be friends?
1: Oh, I'm I'm, or are they just I'm fairly around? certain there there are some guys in the league... Oh, the, the Portland Trailblazers players do not like whatsoever. Right. Like, uh, but, I, I almost guarantee that if you gave Damian Lillard true serum, he absolutely disdains and hates Patrick Beverly with every fiber of his being. Huh. I bet you Russell Westbrook can say the same thing. And I yeah. think that makes things more entertaining. When there's, when there's true animosity between guys. I think that the level of competition and the emotion that that draws is magnetic. Like, you can't take your eyes off the TV. Like, when, when that first matchup happened between Westbrook and KD, remember how they, uh, all the lead-up to it, and then they, the post game they said, oh, we didn't say anything, we didn't do anything, and you could read both their lips as they're going at it, as they're jawing at each other. There were some things said, <laughs> when they talk about how oh no nothing was said there. It's like there's like 38 cameras in the arena, dude. We all saw everything both of you said. <laughs> Clearly, there's some animosity there. And you're you're if if Russ says he's perfectly fine and okay and and never does any of those things when Katie left, and he's like no man, I seriously I wish him the best best you know success and that's his choice. And ultimately, I'm I'm 100 behind him. He's my buddy. He's my friend. We've known each other forever. Blah 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 blah. Does that storyline really interest you as much?
0: Um, no, the storyline doesn't interest me as much. But I don't necessarily know that You're not that makes in the for it. actual game of basketball better. I see. I, I, so I would. Think I, I think would, would disagree. Better.
1: I would disagree because of the, the the level that it goes to. Like when you when the pettiness really gets in there. When 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 the real petty. That's when you get like absolutely stupid stuff happening. That's when you start getting like the one on one battles like, okay, fine, I'm going to pull from 35 and make you look stupid. Like, I I Mm -hmm. love it when that happens, because then you get whether it's successful or not, then you get those moments that are like, what was he doing? Mm-hmm. and i, I think yeah, that's I mean, more I, entertaining i
0: get it i i see how i see what you're saying about how it makes the story line more enjoyable it gets us all more bought in if you know come on tara let the hate
1: flow through you <laughs>
0: flow i'm through not you. gonna let the hate flow through me because i think it's asking too much of them to be like you guys together you played together Be more
1: excellent in 2018 <laughs> let the hatred okay. flow through you
0: so you're saying being excellent, embracing excellence is just—you know—I've seen a lot of people who embrace excellence just being more crabby than the rest of us. This is really kind of what it all comes down to.
1: its its its, it's, but, it's, it's okay. like, Crabby is like sub—like subtweeting hatred. But I
0: don't—I don't think that you can tell these guys not to be friends. I
1: will.
0: Because I it, think I think actually their friendships make a lot of compelling storylines. Look what's going on in Cleveland. You know, with Wade coming back to be with LeBron, I think that's awfully interesting, and I think that's fun, and I think I, I'm entertained by that storyline. Of course, they're on the same team now. Like,
1: yeah, it, there, I, think, I just think it makes for not be levity I think that's
0: and just moments.
1: Much. Like LeBron's IG post of him and Dwayne Wade, like sipping wine with with Gabby Union. Like mm-hmm. that was that was funny. That was entertaining. But it was. It's, I don't think it's necessarily a storyline. I think it makes for um, fun tidbits here or there. But it's not something that kind of like carries the weight of the throughout the season. Whereas some of the storylines really go season long.
0: Right. Well, I still think you're being a get off my lawn, old man about it. I'm but perfectly fine
1: okay. dying on that hill. <laughs> like it, it's, it's, it's um, kind of funny because like I've died like three times on hills this year. Like one of them for, for being old man and petty, um, one for, uh, coach Stotts and one for still liking, uh, LaMarcus. <laughs> so like i like I'm, I'm, I may be part feline here. Cause I've, I've died on a lot of Hills.
0: Yeah. Already. Well, one last question that I've been wanting to ask you all week, cause we haven't had a chance to talk yet. Uh, let's see. So, Isaiah Thomas made his debut with the, uh, in the Portland Trailblazer story game. Storylines. Storylines. Yeah, that one I'm over. Um, <laughs> but uh, now the talk is when Isaiah Thomas goes back to Boston, they want to play the tribute video for him. But that's, uh, Paul I believe, Pierce's jersey the night material. that they're going Dierman. to be – Yes, they're going to be uh, retiring Paul Pierce's jersey, and Paul Pierce does not think that a tribute video is appropriate on that night. How do you feel about tribute videos?
1: Um, First of all, I'd just like to point out here that Isaiah Thomas is not really a fan of Danny Ainge. So, again, storyline. Paul Pierce Uh wants this to be about him. Storyline. Again, not happy with things. Angry. Petty. I'm all for it. Um, I'm okay with tribute videos. Like if you wanted to like to to bring up a contentious tribute, let's say LaMarcus makes good with Portland. When
0: was the last time you can remember Portland doing a tribute video for somebody who like hadn't just recently died?
1: When was the last time Portland had a player worth doing it for? Like Brandon. What about, did they have Brandon Roy when he came back
0: with Minnesota?
1: Ah, I don't think things were going well then like between right. and Brandon and the Batum. organization and it was Batum. same with Nick. Like the, the, there were not, I don't think things were going that bad. Well, I know the, the, the deal with Brandon was not going well at when he that went wasn't to Minnesota. Good because
0: the boys had to pay a bunch of money. Yeah. Uh, so,
1: <laughs> so clearly they're not going to be happy about that at that point in time. And it took Brandon really some time to come, even come back to a Blazers game. Right. Um, yeah. I think eventually Portland should and could do one for Brandon. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I'm completely and totally biased. I mean, if not my favorite player in NBA history, he's, he's up there because of what he did yeah. um, and how he did it. Um, I'm, all, I'm all for it, but, I mean, if you look at Portland's top flight, What about ex- Will Barton?
0: They could give one to Will Barton. Uh,
1: it would be hilarious. That's, that's for sure. Like, if they, <laughs> they could just do his IG post for all of his outfits that he wore in Portland. <laughs> like, anyway, I, 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 I can enjoy that. Oh, um,
0: that's one player that I would love to have back. Do you yeah, think no. he would fit on this Oh, God, team? yes.
1: He, he, he would be a All perfect fit on this team. Shooting, playmaking, defensive versatility, uh, pushing the pace, um, just being a wild card. Like, oh. I, I, I love him. He Will. was
0: so much fun to watch. There was nobody that looked more like he loved playing basketball than Will Barton. Yeah,
1: every time he's on the court, like you can tell. Like there, There's a few guys in the league that just, they are having fun every second they're on the floor. And it's infectious. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think Will would be phenomenal. I mean, I don't think there's a team that Will Barton doesn't fit on. Uh-huh. Like, I, th- I think that's a testament to who, to who he, not just, not just what he brings, like, basketball-wise, but personality-wise. I think I, like, The only team I could see him, like, not fitting on in professional sports is the Patriots, because they don't like fun. <laughs> like, that's that's basically it. Like, every other, like, professional sports team would be like, you know what, we'll take Will Barton, because he would just be yeah. fun. Like, I, 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 I could see him like on his hometown you know uh Baltimore Orioles like fielding like he'd be like the Yasiel Puig of the Baltimore Orioles like he'd just be out there like I, bat flipping all the time and, and taking mm-hmm. his time like trotting on home run trots and he'd just do it with some style and some swag and I'd love every minute of it like will Barton will the thrill is is the man like I, I absolutely love him
0: the people's champ. I love him so much. Yes. So I would get, you know, we could give him a tribute video, but maybe the, after you do, that's the thing, like we don't have anybody. For the footwork.
1: Yes. I, I will. I will pull out my video editing skills that I have not used in quite some time and do a Will Barton tribute video. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think the problem with tribute videos are not the problem, but I mean, the reason Portland hasn't had tribute videos is because they haven't had anybody they can blow a tribute to mm-hmm. like Brandon, LaMarcus, Greg, were going to be the guys. And none of them are yeah. here, and all of them left under less than great circumstances. I mean that's yeah. just the, the bottom line of it. Um, Brandon's probably the first in line. Um, I think you probably want to do his before you do Damien's when he like, I mean, I, I know that the time period's weird. Um, one you could possibly do is Bill Walton, since Bill has kind of accepted oh. the Blazers back into his life, like that's one you could go to right now. Um, they
0: had the whole seventy-seven team tribute,
1: yeah. Which which was cool to have Walton back there for that. I, I think that was cool. Um, but I, I don't think they should be retiring anybody else's jersey anytime soon. No. So you're not going to have that because I think that's what they're they're doing. Yeah, that's what they're doing for for Pierce in Boston. So they've got like you know forty-seven jerseys in the rafters now. Guys yeah. guys going to be stuck wearing like eighty-six for for Boston. <laughs> Which is, I think... That's, that would be a great I, I, number. I think Jerebko wore 86, now that I think about it. Um, oh, that would be a great number. But, yeah, I mean, that's really Portland's problem, is they haven't had anybody, I think, worthy of that. And I think they've kind of teetered that line with jersey retirements by themselves, so...
0: Right. Um, Well, maybe in a couple of years, we're going to look back to this week and go, you know what? You know when the Blazers really turned it around and became serious and became a real contender? It was kind of like that first, second week in January of 2018. And they'll be writing about it in the history books of when the big turnaround came along. But in the meantime, that's about all the questions that I have for tonight. You got anything else that we didn't discuss that you wanted to bring up?
1: Nope. uh, Not basketball-wise per se, but we do have Blazers Edge Night coming up. And as you guys have seen on the front page of Blazers Edge, that we are down to the final 400. That means we have 400-ish tickets that we still need so we can send 2000 underprivileged youth to a Blazers basketball game in February to see the Sacramento Kings. Um, this is, the I big- gave
0: two more the other day.
1: Yes, I have given mine. I have, I have gotten my family to donate theirs. Um, I'm probably going to donate one or two more in my nephew. You know, I'll probably do two more, one for my nephew, one for my niece in their name. Um, nice. the ticket range is, I believe nine to $22. Um, if you can, if you have the opportunity, we're getting to the time crunch where um, Dave is obviously managing all this. We don't want him to ever have to tell anybody who, is, who, who, is, who wants to ask no. Like we have 2,000, we want to give away 2,000. We've never, ever had to do that, to just tell, to, tell anybody no. So we don't want to ever do that. Um, so if you have the means, if you have the capacity, um, if you have the, the ability to donate the $22 tickets, please do. If you can't afford that and you can only afford the $9 tickets, please do whatever you can do. Please, 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 please. Like, uh, I, I don't push for, you know, people to give away their hard earned money for much. Um, but this is one of those causes as simple as it is. It can be life changing for these kids. Like it's, the, the look on their faces and the, the absolute joy that these, these kids experience is absolutely heartwarming and, and tear-shedding. Like It's an absolutely awesome experience. Um, and if you have the capacity to donate and go to the game, I would encourage you because it's a really, really awesome experience to see 10% of the Moda Center filled up with kids who are basically at their game for the first time. So, um, yeah, if you can donate, please do.
0: That's a great that's a great push for it. Yeah, let's get over uh, over that 2000 number and make sure that all the kids get to go. All right, you want to take us out of
1: here, Dan? Yep, I will go ahead and take us out of here for... Uh, actually, you know what? Uh, I'll, I will do my spiel, and then I will let you take us out of here because uh, oh, you, you're, the, you're okay. the host tonight. You, you wanted to call us shots. Uh, okay. You can find me on social media. Don't mess with me. Yes. On social media, on Twitter, <laughs> at DMarang. That's at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. The social media handle, Danny Marang, is now sticking. Um, you can find me on NBC Sports You're Northwest. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, I'm Blazers Outsiders on non-game days at 7 p.m. Um, that's it for me, Tara. Go ahead. All
0: right. I can be found at TCB Biggs on Twitter. You can also, twice a month, we add uh, Women's Hoops and Talks, uh, Hoops and Talks. A podcast to the Blazers Edge podcast and you can follow us on Twitter at Hoops and Talks when if you follow us on Twitter then you can get those episodes as soon as they come out and we also have a Hoops and Talks meetup coming up on on uh, Sunday January 14th so the Blazers are taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves we're going to be gathering at McMinniman's on Broadway to watch the Blazers take on the Timberwolves and hopefully beat the Timberwolves So uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next week.